never miss the water till your well runs dry. He never missed your turn till he says goodbye. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Thursday, May the 4th. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York. Um, My hot take tonight is going to take us into politics, and then I'll bring it back to sports, I promise. But my hot take is that New York State has really bad state politics. Really? You know, they've defaulted state, po- state politics. State like the state legislature and the governor, it's all Democrats, right? But like they never get along. They're very ineffective. They don't get much done. Um, you know, Andrew Cuomo was the sexual harasser mm-hmm. and general monster. And that was like our greatest politician, right? So my hot take is is that state politics in New York are bad. Um, We have some bad operators, some very inefficient people, a lot of clowns up in Albany is what I'm saying. Yep. But, and here's my hot take, is that of all the 50 states, we have the best fucking attorney general, okay? Okay. For those of you who are unfamiliar with New York State Attorney General General Letitia James, which you, some of you probably have heard of her because she's made a lot of national headlines, but um, she sued the NRA into bankruptcy. She's in the process of suing the Donald Trump organization for like half a billion dollars for fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, the investigation from her office into the sexual harassment claims of former former governor and formerly mentioned Andrew Cuomo forced him to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, and most recently, her and uh, Attorney General Rob Bonta of California announced a joint investigation into the NFL a year after the New York Times reported female workers' claims of workplace discrimination and pay inequity. And I got to say that this case has got to be more of a slam dunk than the Donald Trump organization committing fraud, right? Because, like, of course, the NFL as an organization is discriminatory against women. Like, I think that if you'd asked me 10 years ago what the most misogynistic sports organization in the country was, I might have said Major League Baseball, just because Major League Baseball is just kind of like your racist grandfather, right? Who's just like, oh, well, you know, grandpa's wrong, but he's got dementia and is stuck in 1963 and is a racist. And, right. and that's Major League Baseball. But like the NFL is actively a misogynistic organization like it just is you know it is i feel like it's built into the nfl 
in a certain unique way. Right. Just because oh just because of the hyper masculine nature of American football itself. Yeah. You know, the NFL weekend has a is the highest spike in domestic abuse police reports. You mean Super any Super Bowl weekend? Super Bowl weekend, what'd I say? NFL weekend, which oh, is yeah, Super weekend. Bowl weekend. <laughs> uh, right. I've heard that. I have also heard that's like a urban myth. Is right. that actually true? Yeah, I, I think I so. would believe I it. Know. I've heard I've I've heard that before. Why are you fact checking me on this podcast, Joe? We don't do oh, that. You I'm know that. Okay. Anyway, I, I just pulled up the New York I should I should post this article that you shared with me. New York Times article Attorneys General to investigate the NFL's treatment of female employees. So keep going. Okay, so here's what I do now. Mm-hmm. And this is the fact. And don't even fucking think about fact checking me. Okay. So, yeah. Is okay. that the city that hosts the Super Bowl, like that is the number one of num sorry, number two event for strip clubs. After the Republican any, National Convention. After the Republican National Convention. And I've heard also, yes. <clears throat> For me, probably. That's the truth, <laughs> though. <clears throat> I'm going to, sources tell me, and you're my sources. <laughs> right. <clears throat> the, the city that hosts the Super Bowl has a spike in strip club attendance that is higher than any other event in the country except for the Republican National Convention. Right. And like, you know, I will never say a disparaging word about strippers or strip clubs, but there's a certain level of misogyny that goes into producing a spike, probably, in that sort of thing, you know? Anyway, I just, no, you know my Tish James is the shit. Is all I'm saying. Okay, she's so, the best. Okay, so I'm I'm scanning this article that you shared with me earlier today. So Letitia James of New York and Rob Bonta of California comes a year after the Times interviewed more than 30 current and former NFL employees who described a stifling and demoralizing corporate culture that drove some women to quit in frustration and which many felt and which left many feeling brushed aside. So was there, what I'm asking for is, is uh, accusations of actual sexual like harassment in the workplace. Uh, it's more like sexual discrimination. Okay. Um, you know, that women making 74 cents on the dollar to men and, um, one of the main kind of women in the center of this case who has is suing the NFL separately uh-huh. um, is the former VP of media, uh, the NFL media group who was kind of started the NFL network. Uh-huh. And she, um, let's see, pervasive sexism in the workplace and that the NFL had a boys club mentality that um that repeatedly promoted men with lesser experience over her uh, oh. while passing her over for promotion 
Um, gotcha. She told human. So here, I think this is what you're talking about. The case was brought by Jennifer Love, who helped create NFL Network and rose over 19 years to become the first female vice president at the NFL Media Group. Love claimed the league's human resources department never addressed her complaints about pervasive sexism in the workplace and that the NFL had a boys club mentality. She told human resources and managers that several top male executives were openly hostile to her and men with less experience were repeatedly promoted above her. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, a lot a lot of what happened with the Washington at the time Redskins, uh, the congressional investigation into the Redskins, kind of, um, I think that there's like a long kind of and, and very visible history of organizations that are overseen like the NFL itself and organizations like specific teams that the NFL oversees mm -hmm. um, kind of doing horrible things and then not facing any sort of consequences for it. Sure. So looking the you other. know the commanders the the former Washington Redskins now the commanders um, is the biggest kind of scandal of this sort um, and there was a congressional investigation um, and there wasn't a, like it was pretty well it was proven that it was a the horrible misogynistic discriminatory. Uh, workplace and still like that guy just sold the team for six billion dollars like right. there's no sort of there's no sort of consequence anywhere for this sort of behavior in the NFL um, and and the and the um, and so when this when this these claims from these 30 women came out a year ago there was a whole group of attorney generals who kept, got together and were like, listen, you have to, I think it was, I can't remember, I read the article earlier today, but it was like, this you have to address this, you yeah. have to address this or we're gonna investigate you. Right. And the NFL was like, oh yeah, no, we will, we'll totally do it. And then like their response was like, this is not what the NFL is about. Like these are baseless claims. And it's like, well, I think that there's a pretty clear like pattern involved in the NFL and the NFL teams that shows that this is not baseless by any Totally. And that the NFL, it sounds like they were kind of trying to set up Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team as a fall guy. Right. And maybe Washington was particularly bad in terms of sexual harassment in the workplace but it sounds like this is a, a a problem that infects the entire national football league right yeah that makes sense um yeah well fuck the nfl i hate the nfl i hope they lose uh, they should get their antitrust uh exemptions to, oh wait they don't have one never mind um yeah. Yeah, that's bad. And it also sounds like, so my other question was, why is this a New York, California thing? And it sounds like because the NFL 
corporate offices are in New York and LA. Um, I'm I'm inferring, but I'm not 100% positive about that. I think they're mostly in New York and Connecticut and New Jersey, I think. Mm. It's what I can't remember. The article says. Right. Um, but, you know, also, well, I guess California doesn't have so many football teams anymore. No, it's down to three. Two, right? Oh, three. 49ers, Rams. Oh, 49ers, and... right. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Did it ever have... It, no, it never had more than four because the Raiders were just moving back and forth between Oakland and L.A., and the Chargers were just moving back and forth between San Diego and L.A. I don't think they ever had two Bay Area teams, two L.A. teams, and a San Diego team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but that would have been before my... I don't, yeah, but I don't think they ever did. Did we talk about, we talked a little bit about the Oakland days moving out of Oakland last week, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just think it's fascinating still that, you know, Oakland has basically lost all of its professional sports teams, and San Diego is now just down to the Padres. I guess they never had, well, they used to have an NBA team like back in the 70s or the 80s. They were the San Diego Clippers for a little while. Um, anyway, if I had a sports team, I'd probably move them to San Diego. <laughs> so, yeah, what's your uh, prediction? What's going to come of this? Uh, you know, I would be surprised if nothing came of it, let's just say. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what kind of... So there'll be an investigation, right? And then that's the way the attorney general's office works, right? So they'll launch an investigation. Then if they come up with something, they'll sue the organization. Is that how it works? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I'm not quite sure either. Let's just um, say yes. I won't fact check you on that one. Let's just say yes. Yeah, I think that that's probably what will happen. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's what's happened with you know, what happened with the NRA is like the attorney general's office launched an investigation and then sued them for, I think it was tax evasion or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, they're suing, it's all, it's not um, criminal. It's all, uh, they sued, they're suing the Trump organization. They sued the NRA. Um, so I think that's probably how it goes. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, keep an eye on this. We need to. Do you have any lawyer friends? We need to get some lawyer friends on this podcast. I wish. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> God damn it. I need some. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's get some sports, some lawyers. Just in general, we need lawyers. <laughs> right. Yeah. We just, we just need lawyers. They don't even need to be our friends. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's have some some legal scholars on our podcast in the future because uh, what's I'm curious about like because I feel like what you're saying you like about Letitia James is that she's not afraid to take on literally the most powerful institutions in America 
Right. President Trump, Governor Cuomo, the NRA, and now the NFL. Right. Well, in fact, like her uh, opponent's main criticism of her is that she does those things for political, personal yeah. political gain. Sure. But, you know, the NRA is a, <clears throat> we have a for real gun problem in this country. And right. the NRA is kind of at the center of blocking common sense gun law reform. And no one has been as successful as her at taking them on. I'm not to say that, you know, she sued them, they filed for bankruptcy and then just moved to Texas. They used to be New York based. So I'm not sure exactly like if anything, if any, if it, you know, made much of a difference, but um, it's not nothing. Well, and that's what I was thinking about the NFL. I was like, why don't they, I bet you that's what they do too. Yeah, and there was criticism. She also was at kind of the center of the um, lawsuit against the Sackler family, who were the company that owned the pharmaceutical company, the the family that owned the pharmaceutical company that produced Oxycontin and was kind of at the center of the current Oxycontin epidemic. And she accepted a a plea deal or a settlement offer Mm -hmm. that, many people didn't think went far enough and eventually a diff- a judge was like no this this is not an acceptable settlement offer like this has got to go back so you know there's some like there's some criticism that she goes after wins where she can regardless of she cares more about winning than about justice sure. I um so As she- but i think she's great she used to be my uh uh, what's the word? State She's from she. Uh, uh, the the place where I live in Brooklyn is that's where her she was our city uh, fuck councilwoman okay. was like where she got her start in politics was not in my district. So Chicago, we've got all the all the men, all the people. Yeah, I don't have. You probably have city council. Yeah, we. Uh, I've been I've been following her career since the beginning. So. So she going to be the governor? She going to become governor? You know, she ran for governor and then she dropped out pretty quickly um, in the aftermath of the Cuomo resignation um, because our current governor, Kathy Hochul, kind of outmaneuvered her as far as securing money, which is like kind of a fucked up way that politics works it's like at the beginning it's like oh i have more money than you and then you're like okay i drop out because i can't afford to campaign finance reform needs to happen that's all i'm saying and um but you know kathy hochel has been having kind of a rough run lately so it could be that she the next time the governor comes up, she'll run for it. But um we also need to get Bernie. I think that she's I think that she's up for re-election for attorney general pretty soon here. So. To keep her attorney general job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But no, seriously, Bernie Sanders, he can come on the podcast, talk yeah. talk Brooklyn, talk about his love of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. Like, 
how he taught. Who was he? Oh, it's actually Yasiel Puig. We posted that picture of him teaching Yasiel Puig how to hit fly balls. Right. And also, we need to get him because he's the big minor league baseball guy. And he's a big minor league base. Yeah, he's big into saving minor league baseball, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Also, if there's anyone that we can convince to take away major league baseball's antitrust exemption, <laughs> it's going to be Bernie Sanders. So, uh, Bernie Sanders, come on our podcast. <laughs> he would love our podcast. Yeah, that's true. It's true. He really fucking would. Um. Uh, hey, everybody, my name's Joel. I'm coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. Sam, I got to apologize in advance because I my hot take is simple and convoluted at the exact same time. Okay, I love it. My okay. hot take just lasted like 25 minutes. So. <laughs> uh, okay, straightforward. My hot take is the ghost one. My hot, okay, let me put it this way. My hot take was going to be the ghost runner on second will was bullshit and needs to change. Right. That's yeah. not a very hot take. That's not a That's hot pretty, take. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about that multiple times on this podcast. Um, and so my reason for it was going to be that it gives the home team an unfair advantage. Right. Because my logical thinking was if the road team doesn't score in the top of the inning, then the home team can just butt sack and sack fly and win the game. Right. Right. It's basically it's like very difficult for them to not win. They don't need to get a hit to win the game. Right. If the road team does not score in the top of the inning. So that was going to be my thinking. And then I, actually did a little bit of little bit of research and so far this major league season there have been 35 extra inning games okay and the home team has won 19 times and lost 16 times okay so that i mean that seems to me in my opinion that they don't have a huge advantage i mean maybe a slight <clears throat> advantage, but that's pretty right. Well, let's see. Like that's two games above five hundred. A game and a half above five hundred is the home team. Out of thirty, out of thirty-four, thirty-five games, they won. 19. Thirty-five games. Yeah, they won. Um, lost sixteen. Okay. Uh, you know that's not nothing like if you if you let's see are you trying to do are we trying i'm to trying do to do math in my head yeah yeah what what math are you trying to do i'm just trying to put it into percentage oh, okay i can do that 50 that, like i've got calculated <laughs> 540 that's a five like 60 percent of Five forty-two win percentage. It's a five forty-two win percentage for the home team. Okay. Yeah. It's like a ten percent advantage. Yeah, ish. Which is like assuming though, but doesn't the home team win more than fifty percent of games? Like, doesn't the home uh, probably? 
like maybe not more like it, it the home team has less of an advantage in baseball than it does in basketball or football but they still i assume have a a slight advantage just because they get to go last says here, right. okay it says here according to baseballreference.com the home team wins has a 530 win percentage so in all games the home team wins 53% of the time and in extra inning games the home team wins 54 percent of the time yeah right so they yeah which is less well this year i this year small sample size of 35 games right yeah so i guess i i thought it was going to be more of an of an advantage i was surprised that the road team has won almost 46 percent of the time in extra inning games Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think that statistically, in a larger sample sample size, the home team would probably win more games because I think it all depends on, you know, a certain number of those games. One team has a shitty bullpen, you know what I mean, and like, it doesn't really matter if you're like throwing out Ryan Brazier there. That's for all you Red Sox fans, because um, that guy sucks. <laughs> Um. Anyway, so but yeah, I I was with I was watching a Red Sox game the other day, and it was kind of an interesting thing. Went into extra innings, and Red Sox won. They were the home team. Okay, and again, uh, they were the one one guy was like, I don't understand why with the ghost runner, why doesn't anybody, why doesn't everybody just bunt? with the first batter immediately and get that guy to third. The home because, team. I think because right. the road team needs to score more than one run. Well, that's what the, that's what the guy, that's what the other guy said is like, you have to play for two. If you're the away team, you have to play for two. Right. Um, so. But if, if you're the home team, and you hold them to no runs, then you just bunt that guy over, and then you've got hope for a sack fly. Sack fly, yeah, right. The White Sox lost at home today to the Twins in extra innings, seven to three. So sometimes that doesn't fucking work. Sometimes you play for four. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, this gets me to my longer hot take because then I started okay. research because. I thought that 35 extra inning games in a little more than a month of baseball sound didn't sound like very many. I would have expected there to be more extra mm-hmm. innings. And it turns out, and this is a shout out to Thomas, who said he couldn't be on this podcast tonight. Right. It turns out that of these 35 yeah. extra inning games, the Seattle Mariners have played in seven of them. And they're two and five in extra innings. That's not good. <laughs> Their overall record is 14 and 16, which means they have a winning record in nine inning games. <laughs> but they're huh. five in extra inning games. So I haven't watched, shout out to Thomas, I haven't watched any Mariner games yet, but that's bad. 
That's either really bad luck or they've got a bullpen problem over there. Yeah. Or they just have bullpen formula. Or they just have what? A bullpen formula that only allows for nine innings. Oh, that'd be interesting. That seems like that would be really bad managing. Yeah, general managing. Yeah. If you only have enough relievers to win nine innings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so so uh, <laughs> I guess this would have been better if Thomas were here, but oh, Jesus, the Mariners are dead last in Major League Baseball and batting average. Really? This is crazy. So they their pitching is really good, and their hitting has been really bad. They're dead last in the league in batting average. They've got the fourth best pitching staff by ERA, the sec- sixth best pitching staff by batting average, and the fourth best pitching staff by whip. But they're dead last in the league in batting average, and they're 27th in on-base percentage. And where are the Red Sox and all those? Uh, I don't know. I'll check. Because that's all I really care about. Their pitching staff is good. Who's blown? They Who, the Red Sox? No, the Mariners. Oh, it's... the Mariners. <laughs> okay. Mariners. Did you see me get really exasperated? Yeah, no, we'll talk about that? the Red Sox in a second. Hold, hold <laughs> your horses. We can talk about the Red Sox in a second. Dang, but the, yeah, the Mariners are good pitching. So I don't know why they keep losing all these games in extra innings. They've got four guys with a zero ERA. They've got four guys who combined for 24 innings pitched with a combined zero ERA. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) They've got two guys with one blown save, Murphy and Topa. And then Hmm. they've got this poor guy uh, named Matt Brash. Matt Brash has three blown saves. In, Isn't that the guy from Scrubs? No. Matt. Oh, Zach, Zach Braff. Right. Zach Braff. Those are two different names. <laughs> yeah, but maybe they're related. And no, they're not Brash with an SH. What are you talking about? All I'm it's, saying is it's close. Yeah. Anyway, maybe the Mariners are just fucking unlucky. That's what I'm coming down to. Um, Yo, we had a bunch of people listen to our podcast last week. That was pretty sweet. They won four in a row. They could and, be putting it together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they beat Oakland tonight. So I guess they just swept the A's. Must have. The A's have lost three in a row. So, yeah. Oh, and they <laughs> beat the Blue Jays. So... That's the something. A's have a negative 125 run differential. Yeah, the A's may end up being like the worst team in the history of baseball. <clears throat> Which is like almost double the next closest. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're gonna be gonna be fucking historically bad, which is very sad. Um Shout out to everyone who listened to last week's podcast. We talked about getting rid of Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption status again. 
And we talked about stupid home run celebrations. That was fun. Um, so, Sam, guess who's back in our listening column is Ashbone, Virginia. Remember that? Oh, hell yeah. Welcome back. Right? Welcome back. And the CIA? Probably. Hopefully it's the CIA. Or right. I, I still think it's the post office general. Oh, some, the postmaster general. Postmaster general. Yeah. <laughs> Spying on us. <laughs> uh, also, thanks for listening. San Jose, California, Bend, Oregon, Champaign, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, Hardwick, Vermont, Portland, Oregon, Providence, Rhode Island, Barcelona, Spain, Dallas, Texas, Muhammad, Illinois, Brooklyn, New York, LA, California, Atlanta, uh, Halifax, Canada. Thanks for listening. Please continue to do so. You can also follow us on our social media applications, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, so, Sam, you're feeling pretty good about this Boston team right now, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so we're out of the basement in the AL East, so that's good. And the Yankees um, are in the basement in the AL East. The Yankees are in the basement in the AL East, but at Nobody in the AL East has a negative run differential. I mean, it's a under 500 win percentage. Right. So the Yankees are in last place at 17 and 15. Okay. Um, and the Red Sox are in third place at 19 and 14. Ooh. Uh, on the wings of a current six-game win streak, Beating. which is pretty cool. What's that? And you swept Toronto. And we just swept Toronto in four games. Mm. Um, and took two or three from the Guardians before that. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, and, you know, as and I will keep beating this drum, it's been very fun to watch because it's been like must-watch baseball. Because they won three out of four against the uh, against the Blue Jays, and sorry, they've won four. They won four a four game series against the Blue Jays. Three of those wins were come from behind um, because our starting pitching remains terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a lot of early deficits that we have to overcome, which is which is fun baseball to watch. It's it's pretty frustrating to watch the pitching staff, if we're being honest. But sure. it's still it's still pretty cool um, that they've been able to win these games, which is it's it's really impressive. The Red Sox have, I think, twelve come from behind victories. I oh, think wow. they lead Major League Baseball and come from behind victories and walk off victories, and that's you know. It's not necessarily a sustainable model, but it makes for some really entertaining games. Is it Verdugo um, who has like six walk-off hits by himself or something like three, that? Three, three walk-off. Three walk-off hits, okay. Which leads the major leagues. Sure. Um, and, you know, Devers is on pace to hit like in between 50 and 60 home runs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Masha Taka Yoshida, who's our Japanese rookie, is um, on a 14-game hit streak right now. 
Which, my Japanese you know, coworker was talking to me about him today. Oh, really? Yeah, he's really yeah, he's playing. He is, he is crushing the ball. Um, it's really, you know, he's he's got a 14 game hit streak, and I would say probably 10 of those games are like multi hit games. And before that, I think he was in like an 0 for 20 slump or something, and he get a hit for 10 games or maybe eight games, and then. He kind of broke. He hit two home runs in one inning, including a grand slam. And then since then, he's just been – you can't keep him off base because he also walks a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, he's a fun player to watch and is an early favorite, I would say, for rookie of the year. But we have him. He's a rookie. Tristan Cassis, who's a rookie. And this guy, Emmanuel Valdez, who's a rookie. And Emmanuel Valdez is hitting the cover off the ball. Cassis has been struggling, but he's been coming alive at the plate in the past three games or so. And he plays really good defense at first base, which is like, you know, deep first base is not the most important defensive position in the infield, or maybe is the least important defensive position in on the baseball diamond. But when you have a first baseman who plays really good defense, it's like, kind of cool um and the red sox have had the worst and this is not extrapolation they've had statistically the worst fielding first baseman for the past three years i think so it's a really it's a nice breath of fresh air yeah yeah um, to see that so Uh, but you know we have problems with starting pitching our infield defense that's not at first base is a little bit suspect um uh, Kike Hernandez is our shortstop, and <laughs> the Red Sox were up. This is so bad. Red Sox were up seven five the other day. Uh, you literally don't he, have another shortstop. Uh, we have a couple other guys who can play shortstop, but he's like our best shortstop, so that's not great. That's not great. Um, <clears throat> but he, so he. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, he made this amazing diving play. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, for the first out of the inning, in the seventh inning. And then he proceeded to make two throwing errors that allowed runs to score to tie the game. Or maybe they maybe they took the lead. It was so bad. It was, they were back-to-back plays where he just threw the ball into the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them would have been a game ending double play <laughs> whoops did you yeah. the game? no that was the game that Verdugo hit a walk off home okay. run because Hernandez fucked it up with his yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, what I'm saying it's like that's what's fun about the Red Sox this year is that like there's just there's glaring, um, glaring uh, problems right. with our team, and it was. Um, and we've been winning games despite that. That's right. all I'm saying. Like last season, glaring problems with our team, and we weren't winning games. So, right, and right. that's tough. 
Devers is hitting 226 batting average, but he's got 10 home runs. 11. 11. He hit one, he hit one tonight. So he could easily hit 55 or 60 home runs and hit 230 on the season. That would be interesting. How would you feel about that? Uh, I think his batting average will come up. The thing that's exciting about Devers is that he is a historically slow starter. Okay. Yeah. Is he Dominican, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me go over the same team stats I was just telling you about but for Boston now. So Boston, third in batting in MLB, third in batting average, fourth in on-base percentage, third in runs, fifth in home runs, fourth in slugging. So at least top five in all major offensive categories. Now for pitching, 24th in staff ERA, 23rd in staff batting average, and 19th in staff whip. So, yeah, your hitting is really, really good, and your pitching is bad. I wouldn't have expected it to be worse, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, Kenley Jansen is doing well for you. Yeah, he's been out. He's got a sit back. He's been out. Uh-huh. But nobody else. Chris Sale has been really bad. Brazier has been really, really bad. Chris Sale has had two really bad starts or three. And then he's had a couple of brilliant starts. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kluber, bad. Whitlock, bad. bad. Pavetta, not good. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. That is tough. Well, at least you're better than the White Sox. White Sox are still, we're at 10 and 21 now. Uh, we did, though, have a three-game winning streak after a 10-game losing streak. And that at least breathed, and that was one win against the Rays and two wins against the Twins. So that at least, like, breathed a little bit of life into Chicago. It It's weird. It's like when Tim Anderson is in the lineup, everybody plays better. And when Tim Anderson is not in the lineup, they suck. They're just terrible. And it's because, you know, he's the leadoff guy and he gets on base all the time. Yesterday, he, he came off the bench today and he didn't do well. But yesterday... He was at bat five times and got on base four times, right? And, like, that's what he's able to do. And when he's on base, that makes things so much easier for Jimenez and, and Luis Robert to to get RBIs, you know? Right. It's just like Well, and also, you know, when you have someone that the pitcher has a hard time getting out, that, like, it's all a mental game, you know? Yeah, explain. I, I know what you are saying. What do you mean by that, though? Well, it's like even if Tim Anderson gets on base, walks or gets a hit, single, gets on first base, and doesn't score, it changes the dynamic of the game, right? Like every time somebody gets on base, like the pitcher has to throw more pitches. Um, they have to throw, you know, pitch from the stretch, which if they're starters – 
not necessarily their, you know, relievers generally pitch from the stretch just in general, but starters don't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like a lot of things that, um, that people being on base just mentally it gets into the head of the opposing team. Yeah, Tim Anderson, he's got a 309 batting average and a 356 on base percentage so far this year. And it's just it's fun. And uh he gets he gets the team going. They also called up Billy Hamilton from Triple A, which is uh-huh. fun. Love that guy. That guy's like Proud hometown favorite Billy Hamilton. Is he from Chicago? I don't think so. Uh, I think it like like what I you know I meant like the fans love him. Fan favorite Billy Hamilton. Um, right. He scored the winning run. He as a as a pinch runner the other day. Um. Where do you think he was born? That's really interesting. Where do I, you want me to guess? He went to high, yeah, yes. In Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, good guess. No. Really? Yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Mississippi. Yeah, it's pretty close. Close. Southern half of America. I don't know. There's no way to guess that. Anyway, White Sox uh, on the road at Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll get their shit together. But they've no no team in the history of baseball has started as badly as they have and made the postseason. Let's put it uh, right. But have any of them been playing in a division as terrible as the American League oh. Central? No, <laughs> like the White Sox are only are ten and twenty two, and only eight games back. Right. Yeah. And and, and not and not in last place. Not either. in last place. They're ahead of Kansas City. They're in fourth. Yeah. They're behind Detroit right now. Yep. So we'll see. Um, my my expectations are. Low, but you know, they got the Reds and the Royals on this road trip, so maybe they can do really good on this road trip, right? And then come home against the Astros. So, a little redemption, right? Exactly. The Astros haven't had a great season start either so far. Um, I think they're like at five hundred right now. Anyway. Hooray baseball. Yeah, the Astros are 16 and 15. Two and a half games behind Texas in the West. Um, okay, Sam, I got a question for you. Okay. How do you feel about sports betting? Oh, see, man, I was trying to get Kalen on the podcast today, and I was <laughs> texting him about sports betting. Did he text you back? Did he have it? <clears throat> Yeah, he's a, he's a sport. He's a sports better. He makes bets. Oh, he does the. His thing is that he makes bets at the beginning of the season on the championship. 
Okay. So, like, does he have to make multiple bets? Like, I feel like that's a whole. I mean, I have no idea. I don't do. Sports. No, I think he just is. It's a straight like he bets small amounts of money for the championship at the beginning of the season because the odds are always like, right, much higher. If you, you know, like better. Dollars, you can win sixty grand or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, depending on who you're betting on. Right. Um. So my, I, you know, I think sports betting is cool. But only in theory because I never do it. Like I never do it. Either. I I don't get like I like going to casinos. You know what I mean? Like I don't really get any sort of. I don't have a draw towards betting money on my phone. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to like go on the I you know download an app and then be like oh I want to bet on this whatever. Right, because they're, they're trying to make it like gamified, like video gamified. Right, like you're sitting on your couch watching the Red Sox play. Right, and you're like, I'm betting that Devos gets a hit right now. Right, yeah, that's what they want you to do. When really, what I want to do is like put on a checkered suit and go to a casino yes. and like wave a ticket in the air. You know, that's what I want to do. Right. <laughs> Wait, what did have you got the uh were you doing off track betting a lot at one point in your life? Yeah, well when they had off track betting parlors, yeah. They don't do that anymore. It all moved to the phone and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I like going to the track, you know, I like going to the see the horse races or um which I don't do too often, but when I do, I really enjoy it, you know. <laughs> but that's the thing—you get to like wave, wave a horse in the, wave a ticket in the air, and like scream at a two thousand pound horse, or however much horses weigh—probably not two thousand. No, that they close. It would probably weigh like seven hundred pounds. No, no, be, I guess. no, at least two thousand. Horses are fucking huge. We're both Googling this at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Much do all eleven hundred pounds. Yeah. Oh, what did yeah, no, you were right. You said like two thousand pounds, right? Mine says fifteen hundred to two thousand two hundred pounds. For a racehorse? Uh just a horse. And a typical horse's racing weight. Typical horse is the it's around 1,100 pounds, ranges from 900 pounds for a 15-hand horse to 1,300 pounds for a 16.3-hand horse. Huh. So a racehorse weighs less than, this says, 1,150 pounds. Yeah, well, think about it. Like, runners weigh less probably than most people. They're just sinewy muscle and no fat right. at all. Yeah. Interesting. Especially long distance runners, those guys are crazy looking. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I brought up bet, uh, sports betting because there seems to be a scandal brewing in college baseball, which we don't honestly talk about very often. Right. Because mental bets, like, sure. might as well watch Little League. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, you know, I've been thinking about it. I live in Champaign. The University of Illinois is right there. I should really like be going to two dollar college baseball games all the time. That's true. Yeah. You don't really have much of an excuse. But the thing is, is that it's the crack of the bat, right? It's not like the ping of the bat. <laughs> ding. <laughs> ding. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon fired after linked to suspicious bets. So as to say, this is from ESPN.com. Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon was fired Thursday amid a widespread investigation into suspicious betting activity on the Crimson Tides game against LSU last week. Sports book surveillance video indicated that the person who placed the bets was communicating with Bohannon at the time. Multiple sources with direct information about the investigation told ESPN. Blah, 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 blah. The alleged suspicious activity took place last Friday at the sports book at the Great American Ballpark, according to the Ohio Casino control commission somebody at the reds game was on their phone talking to the alabama head coach and making sports bets on the alabama baseball games the ohio commission's investigation is centered on two bets on the lsu tigers to win from the same unidentified customers a source familiar with the investigation told ESPN that there is no reason to believe any student athletes are involved. Alabama's scheduled starting pitcher, ace Luke Coleman, was scratched before the LSU game because of back tightness and was replaced by sophomore Hagen Banks. LSU won the game 8-6. to six. The Ohio State Commission was alerted to the alleged activity Friday by the independent Las Vegas-based integrity firm, U.S. Integrity, which works with the Ohio State Commission and the SEC to monitor the betting market. Um, Yeah. Indiana gaming regulators were also alerted to suspicious bets on the Alabama-LSU game that took place on sportsbooks in Indiana. Indiana has halted all betting on Alabama baseball and instructed sportsbooks to refund any future wagers on the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, like, this is breaking news, but apparently the Alabama college baseball coach was communicating with multiple bettors across multiple states, giving them inside information on when to bet against his team. Which is... (laughs) Hilarious and fucked up, in my opinion. Yeah. So what's, like, the worst that could happen to this guy? That's the real question. Oh, like, do you think he's going to prison? I doubt like, it. Could he go to jail? Is this, like, a NFL Dan Snyder sort of situation where he's like, oh, yeah, we, we fired him, but, you know, we also had to pay him a severance package of $20 million or something like that. Well, but like Pete Rose never went to prison. Right. 
So I doubt it. I doubt this is actually illegal. I think it's just against SEC standards. So he lost his job. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe college baseball is not a huge uh, market for betters, apparently. Right. Here's 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 my only takeaway from this: is that how widespread is this? Like, okay, yeah, this guy probably got busted, but how many? small market college baseball coaches who probably don't actually make a whole lot of money. They're not football coaches. How many of them are, you know, getting with their buddies in Kentucky and Cincinnati and Indiana and Las Vegas and saying, Hey, my pitcher's out today. Don't bet on my team. Right. Eh, probably a lot. Bet you a lot. Yeah. Uh, especially at the college level. Anyway, more to see. I'm I'm really curious if they they anybody else, especially at Alabama, gets in trouble, or if they just, you know, make an example of this one baseball coach and then see what happens from there. Uh, I'm looking up baseball coach salaries. I don't think they're very high. Football coach salaries are ridiculous high. I don't think college baseball coaches. LSU baseball coach Jay Johnson will make a salary of $1.2 million in his oh, no. first year of a five-year contract. That will increase by $50,000 a year through 2025, putting him at $1.4 million entering the final year of his deal in 2026. $1.2 million a year for your college baseball coach. Right. That's fucking... That's a lot of money. It's LSU. LSU is one of the top programs in the country. Sure. Um, how much does a manager of a MLB team make? Do they make $1.2 million? I mean, they must, but... Probably. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh... Uh, not a lot more than that, though. I'm looking up Alex Cora's salary. I bet you he makes good money. No, I bet he makes less. Really? Less than one well, point? Well, you know, he, he was kind of released in disgrace. True. So he maybe is getting paid a little bit less. They maybe got a deal with him. Nope. $8 what? million, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. Who do you think is the highest paid MLB coach? Let's look that up. The point is, is $1.2 million is a lot of money to coach a major league, um, a college baseball team. Uh, I bet you it's Aaron Boone or Dave Roberts has to make the highest salary. Yeah, I think it's Dave Roberts. Yeah. Um, Dave Roberts. Wait. No. 
then that makes it says Dave Roberts is the highest paid MLB manager at six point five million dollars per year, which is less than the eight million dollars. When is this article from? That's the real question. Dave Roberts makes six point five million dollars a year. That's 2022. When is this article? Right. They can't, like, you can't have a $8 million manager for the Red Sox and a $6.2 million manager for the LA Dodgers at the same time. It's not telling me how much White Sox manager Pedro Greifel makes in his first job ever managing an MLB team. Probably not $6 million a year. <laughs> Did you find it out? Did you figure it out? Yeah. I don't know what to tell you then. Anyway, between 6 and $8 million a year. Let's say that. Right. Um, because you wanted to talk about our dystopian baseball novel. Oh, right. You want to do that on the podcast? Well, I want to hear your thoughts. I really okay. want to hear your thoughts because so you've been watching a lot. You you just rewatched or watched for the first time the His Dark Materials Golden Compass series, right? Is oh, it, I just watched the final season of that. Yeah, is that the HBO one. Um. Yeah. Okay. Starring uh, what's his name? Um Manuel. Young young Professor X. Oh, young Professor X. Um shit. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I thought it was Lynn Manuel Miranda. I thought he was the No, he's in that too. He is in that too. Okay, so I didn't make that up. Uh, wait, so who is um he plays the guy with the balloon. Yeah, James McAvoy. You're talking about James McAvoy. I'm talking about James McAvoy. Plays is young he, Professor X in the X-Men movies. Is he the one who kills God? <clears throat> yeah, him and... Well, okay, so spoiler alert here yeah, yeah. for his Dark Materials HBO series slash the books also. Right. Um, yes. But there, there is no God. That's the moral of the story, is that everyone thinks that there's a God, but it turns out that God was just a fake the entire time. And then the person that everyone thinks is God, who are these angels, which are just beings from another dimension who were super powerful, right. was usurped by a different angel who then pretended to be this other. And anyway, it's like, there never was a God, but even the one that everyone thought was God is no longer a God, and there's like this other imposter in their place. And that guy gets killed by James McAvoy and his part-time, sometimes girlfriend, slash baby mama. Right. Not <clears throat> Nicole Kidman in the movie. Right. It's not Nicole Kidman. Right. But she was probably the best part of this series. Anyway, the story is pretty ridiculous, but what yeah. made me think 
about our own young adult steampunk novel is that we just really have to go super biblical, right? And that was my initial thought. But then my second thought was like, what if we don't go super biblical and we choose some other religious text and model our steampunk young adult novel off of that? And what if we made it? steampunk version of the Bahaga Bahaga Gita or whatever that book is called. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. But we have to tie it into baseball. That's the easy part. How so? Well, we just throw in some baseball references, right? <laughs> the Bhagavad Gita, but with baseball. But with baseball, yeah. Gotcha. The Quran, but with baseball. But with baseball, right. With baseball. But with baseball. <laughs> okay. All right, I got you. <clears throat> I still think we need to stick with the AI, that the AI has to become God. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I like that idea. The evil robot umpire evil AI robot that umpire. becomes, and what I'm thinking is that it, you know, somehow melds with like a military AI okay. and goes insane and okay. is obsessed with concepts of fair and foul, except for it has nuclear capabilities. You know what I'm I like saying? It. I like it. <clears throat> involves. Right. And that like leads to a crazy religion where everyone's just trying to appease this like artificial intelligence is unrealistic like notions of what is fair and what is foul you know what i'm like saying entire thousands of pages of religious texts about whether the batter swung or checked the swing right well no but the thing is is that it started with baseball but then like extrapolates to every aspect of humanity uh, i gotcha i like that yeah okay okay have you read um oh shit this short story that I love that I'm blanking on the author right now. Sweet. Uh, the It's called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. No. By Harlan Ellison. Okay. Harlan Ellison. Yeah. From like the 60s. 67 he wrote it. Uh-huh. It's about an evil AI that's taken over the world and has the capacity to manipulate reality to its will. And there's only four surviving human or humanoid members of the world left. Oh. And it keeps them alive just to torture them and because it doesn't want to be alone. It's, uh. a, it's a fucked up story. I really like it. Uh, but it is, it's, it's the AI took over the world and then went kind of crazy. Right. And, and tortures the human survivors just for its um, own sadistic pleasures, which would be different than ours. But the idea is, how does an AI go crazy like that? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what I'm thinking is that it's like converging directives, right? How do you mean? So it's like a, a baseball AI and a robot umpire AI that, you know, 
calls balls and strikes and tells that things are home runs or not or are fair and foul, you know what I mean? And all of these concepts that are pretty black and white um, get mixed into something that is much less, much more of a gray area. And so um, that sort of absolute judgment mixed with something that should not be absolute, you know what I mean? So you're saying and so it's like it's like conflicting conflicting directives that yeah. lead to complete absolute power and inhumanity essentially. So let me let me tell me if this is what you're thinking. So like okay. the the Lobo uh, umps tried to apply their logic to every aspect of human existence. So like all morals and ethics, they tried to reduce down to calling balls and strikes. No, no, no. no. I mean, yes, you're close. Okay. But like, this is a machine, this is a computer. And like any God, it has nothing to do with humanity. It's just the human's interpretation of it like, you know, it's like any religion. It's like, oh, you pray to God, and regardless of whether or not there is a God, that God does not give a shit about humans. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's the same thing. Is there still some kind of priest class necessary to interpret the umpire God's uh, fault? For like yes. Yeah. Right. But also, you have to remember that college football is like evil. Yeah, how how people are operating countries. Right. So, like baseball is like become a forgotten thing, and there's this god that everyone prays to, but they don't realize that it was like came from baseball. You know right. what I mean? Because baseball doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. Baseball. Has <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Because it was like. <clears throat> you know, that was the thing that this AI God recognized. And so anyone who was like operating with any sort of baseball knowledge was judged either fair or foul and eventually got killed. You know what I'm saying? Right. Heaven or hell. Fail or foul. Right. Exactly. In the original concept, college football became dominant because it was like the theocratic response to the robo umps trying to take over reality and like mm. humanity could only survive by becoming this like fascist football dictatorship right they destroyed most of the ai but then the other had to go like underground right i think we can incorporate multiple things yeah we can do both of those things okay this is good. Uh, who's the guy who wrote uh, Spaceman Bill Lee? Yeah. Is he still alive? He's still alive, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Lives in Vermont. Okay. He lives in Vermont. Yeah, he's a Vermonter. We should get him on the podcast also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he'll come on too because that guy does anything that anyone asks him to. And he's not doing anything, right? He's just right. hanging out a lot, like smoking. I weed. think he's pretty old. Yeah, smoking yeah. weed. Yeah, 
<laughs> okay, he'll help us with this idea. I think he'd be really into it. Yeah. We do need to start um, a book club up again. I had some books on our list I wanted to read. Um, and we never really did Moneyball, did we? Money what? Moneyball. I don't I don't know. I don't think we did. Have you have you read Moneyball? Yeah. Yeah. We should do a Moneyball project. And I've seen the movie. And uh, yeah, I've seen the movie too. I like the I like the book and I like the movie and I dislike the concept. Of the What do you mean? Well, my whole my whole angle like it's smart. Like a, a using the what Sabermetrics really did was figure out how to pay workers less than you'd been paying them. Right. Like that was what Billy Bean was really a genius about. Yeah. Right. We're paying our employees too much money. Right. Yeah. And you know me as a union man, that rubs me the wrong way. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, so it goes. I, yeah. I mean... Yes and no, because I don't think he actually. Well, maybe. I just feel like he figured out a way to pay. Like he just found value in things that other people didn't find value in, and so was able to underpay for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like he was able to, you know. He paid for walks instead of hits. Right. And they're the same, kind of. But I think there's been a bit of a um, market correction to that. We should talk about it. definitely has. Yeah. Because the A's are terrible. Because <laughs> the A's suck. <laughs> That's not his fault. I think right. batting average, we've talked about this before. Batting average is still an important statistic. It's not the important statistic, but it's not a meaningless statistic. Like, right. There is a value in a player who hits for average. Totally. Yeah. And you need to, you know, it's not just walk or home run. And I think at some point, maybe. I don't know, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, it was like, no, 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 no. All I want is a walk or a home run. That's it. Otherwise, sit the fuck down. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. We should wrap this up. Um, Did we forget to talk about anything? I'm going to take great pleasure if the Yankees, like, if the White Sox are totally bad and totally trash this season, I might get on the Schadenfreude bandwagon and just hope for the Yankees to be bad and just root right. And also, you'll be running for the rooting for the Pirates. Yeah, I actually might. I really like the Pirates right now. I don't know if it's sustainable what they're doing. They're still in first place in their division. They've got a bunch of dudes that I really like on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else they got on that team? They're 20 and 12. I think Rich Hill is on that team right now. Really? Yeah, they got Rich Hill. 
they've got Andrew McCutcheon, Andrew Hedges. Oh, Brian Reynolds. I like that guy. He just signed an extension. We should talk about that at some point. Okay. Cabrian Hayes. I like that guy. Carlos Santana. That guy wails on the guitar. He does. He really wails. G-Man Choi. Ooh, G-Man Choi is hitting 125. That's bad. I like that guy. Uh, yeah, they got they got a fun team there. And that's a good team. I mean, maybe that team can sustain success over 162 games. I don't know. I don't know any of Yeah, players. I think their pitching is surprise people. And that's... Yeah, I don't recognize any of these pitchers outside of right. Rich Hill. Mitch Keller. Uh, they've got Vince Velasquez. He's a pitcher. Yeah, I don't know any of these guys. They got Chase DeYoung. Robert Stevenson? Don't know who that is. Anyway, we'll see. Go Pirates. Pay your workers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pay your workers. Go Pirates. Go Pirates. Go Red Sox. Go Red you Sox. You got to get on that Red Sox thing. I will. I will get on that Red Sox. But you don't need help on the Red Sox bandwagon right now. Like I, I know, but there's there's a fan you can get on the bandwagon of. There's a team you can get on the bandwagon of again. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Fun team. Root for fun team that wins and loses in crazy, unpredictable ways. I like Exactly. That. Yeah. No, I totally like that. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. Follow us on Twitter, UmpDump2005. You also have a Facebook page, a WordPress page, a TikTok Oh, man, Sam, my TikTok has just been taken over by Star Wars videos. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Um, no, oh. you haven't. But I learned a lot about TikTok recently, and it's because they just loop in, like, by admitting that your TikTok video feed has been overtaken by Star Wars videos, you just have admitted that you watch a lot of Star Wars videos on but TikTok. They're, they're timing, they time how long you watch a video, right? Yeah. They're timing how long you look at a video until you swipe, right? Right. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And it's true. But, like, I, I didn't know, like, now I'm suddenly, like, learning all about Star Wars legend and mythology. I'm... I'm 38, almost 39 years old, and I've never gotten into Star Wars like mythos before. Now I'm like, oh, what's up with this white Jedi or gray Jedi? It's bad. Yeah, now you're deep. You're deep in it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, happy May the 4th. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for Sam. My name is Joel. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Sweet baby, I'm going to leave me and let you have it. Hey,
If you don't believe I'm leaving, count the days I'm gone. 